0: The Matthew Wright Show on Crucible of Broadcast Excellence, Talk Radio Put it on and keep it on
1: too busy to catch us on the afternoons on talk radio too many children to care for too many jobs to manage well never fear help is here in the shape of the matthew wright podcast where we cut down three hours of entertainment and enlightenment every afternoon into tiny bite-sized morsels just for you you busy so-and-so so sit back and enjoy the best of the matthew wright show here on talk radio I'm going to turn very briefly now uh, to uh, Tom Phillips, editor of Full Fact. I mentioned right at the beginning of the show that Full Fact have been doing a wonderful public service of rubbishing some of the, the nonsense that's been peddled as sort of meaningful health comment in newspapers and on social media. Uh, good afternoon to you, Tom. How are you doing?
2: i'm doing all right how
1: are you likewise actually in rude health despite kevin's best attempts to take me out (laughs) um you've done i've seen you've done loads and loads of stories and uh i if i may one one that just caught my eye because i think she peddles some very dangerous ideas is the uh, the comment from telegraph columnist Alison pearson who uh, said on twitter that she didn't think the virus coronavirus infects children
2: uh yes and that's uh, an example of uh, something that has a seed of truth in it, but has been massively overinterpreted there, it is true that based on what we 've seen so far, uh, it is less severe in children. But the idea that children are somehow immune to it is completely wrong. It really children is. are not immune to it, and there have been uh, in China there have been hundreds of cases of children under ten who have been hospitalized right. with it, so they are not immune, and also crucially, even if the symptoms may be slightly milder in children, then they can still have it, and pass it on to others. So the idea that children are immune is completely wrong. Um, the, <laughs> it always gets such bizarre stories.
1: The 1980s sci-fi novel did not predict the Wuhan coronavirus. This is a story I was actually, funnily enough, told last night. Um, if, if you could tell us a little more.
2: Um, yeah, so this, this is a book by, by Dean Koontz uh, that was published in the 1980s and then sort of updated as well. Um, uh, and yeah, yeah there, there is in it, there is, a, there is a disease called Wuhan 400. Right. Um, so, yes, it's, Wuhan is a large city in China and has been a large city in China for a long time. <laughs> um, the crucial thing about this is it doesn't predict the coronavirus in any other way. Like, for example, in the book, this disease makes a child psychic,
0: which, as far as we're aware... <laughs> well, that's a good disease. Um, We
2: don't yet have any evidence that the coronavirus makes children psychic.
1: If only you had been by my side when this very (laughs) earnest lady leant very close into my face, no doubt spreading her germs along the way, and absolutely insisted this Dean Koontz book had identified coronavirus back in the 1980s. (laughs) I wish you'd be him next week. Any others that caught
2: your attention? So, yeah, I mean, we're seeing things like, uh, for example, there's a lot of stuff around about the idea that uh, the virus will die off when the summer comes. Yes. Um, And that's a really common uh, thing that people are saying, including, I believe, President Trump said it uh, the other day. Um, (laughs) And the answer to that is simply we don't know. Um, Obviously, there are many diseases that do sort of change over the season, like influenza is very seasonal. But there is no reason to believe that that's going to happen with the coronavirus. Other coronavirus outbreaks have not necessarily shown that kind of pattern. And I think it's worth noting, particularly from the UK perspective, like there are cases happening right now in countries that have a temperature now that is what we'll have in the summer. Like, you know, there are cases in Singapore, there are cases in Hong Kong. Mexico City, they've just had one as well, yes. And also, also, from a global perspective, like, remember that it's not going to be summer in half of the world, it's going to be winter. So, like, you know, uh, it, it, if we're hoping that summer will arrive, like in Game of Thrones, and make everything OK again, uh, then then no. Oh, uh, Tom,
1: Tom, I, I have to leave it there because I've got to go to the news, unfortunately, because I, I could listen to this. I need a good cheer, and cheering up, and
0: I, I think you've done wonderfully. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. There was an alleged backroom deal between Tony Blair's Labour government and Mohammed Ahmad Maktoum, who's the ruler of Dubai. Uh, What he is alleged to have done is to have kidnapped his daughter, who was then in Cambridge, by using uh, drugs and heavy men who whisked her back to uh, Dubai. Now, a high court, after a long high court case, it has been ruled that Sheikh al-Maktoum's uh, masterminding this plan was on the balance of probabilities contrary to the criminal law of England and Wales uh, and against internationally accepted modes of human behaviour. So, uh, the question is, is should this guy be brought back now to face British government? And I suppose the underlying question is also, should British governments be doing shagging? deals with uh, rich Arabs. And if, uh, I, if to, I can add a third layer,
1: yeah. because of his political status, as I understand it, the finding, the judgment from this court case, this ten-month case, is only one side of the of the argument. And I, and I'm not well, I'm not going to sort of stand up for either side here. But have we actually heard his side of the story?
0: Yes. Uh, well, let's uh, let's talk to a human rights barrister and the co-founder of the. Uh, 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 um, Prince Free uh, Free Princess, Princess Atifa campaign. campaign. Um, David Hay. David Hay. Hello, uh, David. Hi. Hi. Hi.
3: How are you?
0: Uh, good. Uh, what's your take on this uh, extraordinary case? Uh, uh, should the, uh, th- this uh, ruler of Dubai be brought back to Britain to face UK justice?
3: I think. I mean. The, I think the judgments that, that, that came out yesterday—they're they're oh. certainly landmark and they're unprecedented. And and, and as you quite rightly said, one of the things they do is confirm that that Sheikh Mohammed, who's the the ruler of Dubai and and, and is obviously an ally of the UK, took part in a kidnap from the streets of of Cambridge um, in in 2000 of um, his daughter, Sheikh Ishanza, and also kidnapped um, Sheikh Latifa off a boat with several um, EU citizens two years ago, roughly. Um, as well as um, um, doling out all sorts of abuse and intimidation of his wife, Princess Haya, who's currently in London, where she fled with her two children um, in fear of her life from him. Could we just just before we go on, David?
1: Could you just tell us um, a little bit about the Free Princess Latifa campaign? Because this again involves
3: Sheikh Mohammed Al Maktoum. They're, they're all they're all they're all essentially connected. So Latifa. Um, contacted us and asked for our help over two years ago in leaving dubai it was her second attempt to leave the country um the first attempt that she made was looking for her sister Sheikha shamza who um, was the, the the young lady we mentioned that was kidnapped from the streets of london yeah. um, that was two years ago that she left um uh dubai and about two years ago, a couple of days ago, actually, the the boat that she was on got as far as India from Dubai with her friend Tina Yauhini, a Finnish national, and and the crew, and was attacked by around 600 armed men, coast guard oh ships, planes, and she was taken back. The people was taken back to Dubai along with kidnapped, essentially, along with again a, a, an EU national, a, a Finnish citizen, Tina, kept there. Well, Tina was kept for about two, three weeks until we managed to release a video which many, many of your listeners might, may have yeah. seen which Latifa very cleverly recorded before she left in and it was called the Just In Case video in case the escape went wrong where she would set out her reasons for leaving and the abuse that she suffered um, and that's now been seen by tens of millions around the world and that video was heavily featured in, in, in the hearing as, uh, and, and dealt with by the judge.
1: I, I, I read um, quite a lot I mean, I'm going to come to this this, this full factor uh, statement, but a lot of stuff said about Sheikh Mohammed. Um, that he wrote some. He was basically delivering delivering his feelings towards Princess Haya through poetry. The poetry which seems to invoke various uh, perhaps religious tenets or uh, that I I got the impression that he may have been interpreting uh, his faith to suit his marital needs. Um, Could could you perhaps share a little bit about what he was doing, how he was sort of um, undermining Princess Haya? It's kind of a sort of mental torture, I suppose.
3: I mean, there was certainly an awful lot of what you can only describe as Extremely intimidating posts now on Instagram, videos of him dancing with swords, you know, phrases like people being killed and things like that, and, 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 and so-called poetry, which anyone reading that, particularly if you're a, a wife that or, or, you know, a husband that's left an abusive partner, would be very, very scared. Um, and add to that that you're, you know, a, a um, extremely wealthy billionaire, ruler of a country, a dictator who's as we now can say, has kidnapped already several of his daughters and abused other wives, you, you quite rightly would be extremely yeah. worried and extremely scared. Uh,
0: David, we know that uh, Sheikh Mohammed al-Maktoun spent a fortune uh, on a team of very high-priced lawyers to fight his corner in the High Court, but it has been found against him, if you like, that on the balance of probabilities, uh, he behaved in a manner that was contrary to the criminal law of England and Wales. Did the court also decide uh, that the British government, the then British government, had done a shady deal to uh, let him off the hook for diplomatic reasons? If so, we've got a real scandal here, haven't we?
3: Well, well, absolutely. I mean, certainly back in back in two thousand, there was um, obviously there was an, a small investigation, and it was I think featured in the Guardian about Sheikha Shamsa when she was kidnapped from the, the, the streets of Cambridge, and that was essentially. Covered up by by Robin Cook, and that has been inferred to in the judgment now. Now, last year, myself and Tina Latifa's friends, we tried to get the Cambridge Police investigation restarted because, of course, we had witness evidence from Latifa in her video, witness evidence from from um, Tina, and also from Latifa's cousin, a, a man named Marcus Sabri, who was was in in contact with Chamsa when she was when she was kidnapped. So, we tried to get that investigation open. We spent a lot of time with the Cambridge Police, and I think it's now. We need to look towards Cambridge Police and see what they are going to do, because you've got a judgement that says that the ruler of a country and his associates were involved in the kidnap of someone and breaking of law of England um, some time ago, and that was covered up, so it now needs to be investigated.
2: The Matthew Wright Show
0: on Talk Radio. Walking on the
4: beaches, looking at the fishes. Well, I got the notion, girl, that you got some suntan lotion in that bottle of yours.
1: When I try and explain to my somewhat younger wife what it was like uh, when punk rock sort of first was sort of coming through our TV sets and our radios. I don't think I can ever quite explain it. was It was it was a force and the Sex Pistols swearing on the Grundy show, The Stranglers I can remember that on top of the Pops and going into school the next day and that's all anybody spoke about. And but I'm delighted know. to introduce John Jacques Brunner. Thank Benner. you very much. Thank Welcome, you. lovely to see you.
4: But you know that, I don't know if that's the edited version or not. I don't know which one they play Because played. for some reason um, the BBC uh, decided that clitoris wasn't the right word to use on a single, That's but right. what else could you that. use?
1: All language, language, oh, sorry. language, oh, all. No, no, that, that, but I that. mean,
4: so, yeah. so, oh, sorry. But I mean, they. <laughs> I'm embarrassed <laughs> never, never mind. I promise
1: we'd myself sa- I'd sa- be professional. <laughs> we've, we've, we've saved it in the edit on that one. We, we, <laughs> they, they hit the panic button in time. <laughs> but I was thinking you're going to go on and say unusual words like Shara bank, which I never hear on, on, anybody say anymore no, no. these days. Um, 1974, you started?
4: Yeah, on. Uh, well, we registered the name of The Stranglers on uh, the 11th of September. 1974. So 9-11 means something slightly different to us. (laughs) 9-11 was also the date of my TV show. That was the first episode. So, again, it means something different to me as well.
1: Um, You're going... At the end of this year, the autumn, you're going out on what you're saying is... Your last, I it's it, it's I presume the devil is in the detail, it's the last sort of full production tour, thus yeah. leaving the door open for smaller, less produced tours down the well,
4: line. Well, I don't think we'll be touring again in the UK, but um, we've got a few commitments after that, and I uh, just think we haven't had the balance right for about eight years, we haven't released an album for eight years, no. so um. And you know that's real an important part of it. You know, I've got two hundred and fifty plus ideas for songs, and I haven't had a chance to to think about them. To, to... so, there's going to be a new album as well. Well, we're we've, we've starting working on one, but you know, you can't go. Uh, we're not an assembly line, so you can't go from you know um, a gigging uh, mode to writing mode. And so, I just want. I don't think we've had the balance right. I mean, I've been really grateful uh, to have an audience for the last 10, 20, 30, 40 years, but uh, we've been touring too much, and it, it, it's a killer, you know.
0: But that's because you're a, you're a great band, but w- why do you think that The Stranglers have lasted so long? What's the secret? The tunes.
4: Well, yeah, ultimately it's the tunes, but it's it's because we were allowed, and unlike a lot of bands, we, weren't, we were allowed to just uh, be free because uh, we was screwed up were, uh, commercial were, pressures you, you know. were a
1: bit older, would it be fair to say than the mm, contemporary well, cons- uh, <laughs> some,
4: uh, some of us were some yeah. of us were, <laughs> but some of us um were actually honest about our ages uh, <laughs> that 's more like it. Yeah. but we weren't uh, <laughs> we weren 't uh, we uh, we pigeonholed and and when we were um, our peer group kind of um, shunned us. Uh, so then we were allowed to develop you know, organically, you know, I'm, without I'm, the commercial pressures. I, I am a long-time fan from
1: Ratus Norvegicus, too. and I would have to say that one of the things that you presented perhaps better than uh, your contemporaries was um, you were quite intimidating. I think you, 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 you were all in black. In um, all the concerts I've seen, the amount of chat between songs is really, really minimal. Um, there's an attitude...
4: Uh, yeah well we we were lucky to come in at the end of the pub rock uh, era and pub rock was um, although a few snobs uh, derided it it was a real great education I mean the when I first saw dr feelgood um, it it was a tsunami for me, it was a revelation because everyone had been disappearing up their asses in showing how brilliant musicians they were but they weren't connecting so much with people and it was a return to basics.
0: I feel good like your band, uh, were, and that stood out from uh, the, a lot of their contemporaries and you did too, very musical. Yeah. Unlike the, a lot of the other punk bands, you were you were doing you tunes. Could play, Well, we had a chance
4: could... to, to develop, you know, to develop our skills because that's what pub, pubs did. You know, you you how to front people and to avoid bottles, and to and you know it was a great university for bands. I mean, like some of the greatest musicians, not necessarily. Uh, the most creative, but some of the best musicians come from America, where you know, from bars. You know, they play in yeah. bars. And that was a great thing about the pub rock thing at the did time. You,
1: did you get the same... A uh, lot's been made of the New York influence, New York dolls and such, like, was that... Did that Not have any... for us, no, that yours was is, the Pistols. Yours was and... pub rock, Primary. Well, it was
4: pub rock and also West Coast, because, you know, we were the only ones who admitted at the time that we actually smoked a bit of, you know, of jazz cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> As they could, and uh, and and there was a, there was a bit of hypocrisy, you know. People were pretending to be younger than they were, and also pretending to. You know, it was year zero, you know. And whenever there's a new uh, orthodoxy, uh, which there was, um, you know, you weren't allowed to admit having smoked uh, jazz cigarettes, and having a keyboard was, you know, a heresy, and, and having absolutely. a keyboard right up front, yeah, uh, as yeah, well. And then a synthesizer, you know, <laughs> God, modern thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. The
1: personnel changes, you, you seem to have a very strong, stable lineup for quite a while, then um, Hugh's departure from vocals. Did, was that a difficult period of readjustment
4: or quite a natural period? No, it wasn't natural at all. It was a, a shock to my system that Hugh left, and uh, we uh, struggled for a few years uh, going around in, in ever-decreasing circles. Because, you know, it's down to the, uh, the human factor, isn't it? It's like you can you can have a, cha- a change of one player in a team and the whole structure changes, the whole dynamic changes, and that happened with the Strangers for a few years. I was quite surprised.
1: I didn't... It must have been probably three or four years after that I I caught you. um can't remember what it was. I think it was the Beautiful Days, maybe. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And...
4: uh, Uh, Yeah, and and and, and, and,
1: and I I was actually blown away that I thought that
4: that you'd actually rediscovered your mojo rather than lost it. It depends when you're talking about but, you know, I I can't believe anyone's ever been on a a, a consistently uh, ascending trajectory. uh, Creatively-wise and and career-wise, you can't. And so maybe we needed to to go round wallowing a bit uh, for a few years until we found uh, the present mojo. You know, we have got our mojo back.
1: So why knock it on the head at the end of this year?
4: Uh, you say touring kills, but... Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a cake, isn't it? It's not, just, it's not just gigging or it's not just recording. It's, it's all those things combined, and we live to play. But you know, if you do it all the time, it, it, it's, it's knackering. It's Nagrin. because <laughs> uh, Kevin, I, 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 I do quite a lot
1: of hanging around with Hawkwind and uh, I've been on tour buses and stuff like that, and I just think you're all mad. Quite frankly, it's just no way to live. I don't. You just can't sleep. I couldn't sleep on a bus. I just the, the, the thought of being on a bus. Just... Well, you didn't drink enough. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> now, what can you tell us about the tour? The tour is autumn, September and October. And know yeah. there's an extra gig at the Brixton Academy because yeah. the other one's sold out. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thanks. Extra dates coming, I think, all over the shop.
4: Yeah, uh, well, uh, a few gigs. Uh, we've had a, our next gig was in three weeks' time in Switzerland. That got cancelled yesterday.
1: Oh, I was just about to say, is, is that this coronavirus? coronavirus? Oh,
4: hey.
1: is, that an, is that going to interfere with... I reckon
4: it's going to interfere with an awful lot of, so of stuff Everything, yeah. in this country, <laughs> yeah. and I don't, I don't know if it's um, it's is it a sensible thing? Possibly, is it uh, going to be destructive? Very much so. Is it going to be? Is it a form of hysteria? But either either, well, we were talking off air about flu. Yeah. yeah, I mean, how many hundreds it's of thousands it, of people on died a bad year?
1: Six hundred thousand.
4: They don't call that a pandemic, so what's no. the difference? Is there something that we don't know, that the powers that we know that we don't? Or well, are they just preparing us for the, the Martian invasion?
1: I mean, you, you, you don't want to hear it, but from my point of view, it means that it's more likely I'll be down the front when you do play the Brixton Academy, because everyone else might stay away. I keep hearing from people going to restaurants, so and they say it's just completely empty. But
0: yeah. well, if everyone dies, there'll be no more heroes. Oh, oh, ah, yeah. very good,
1: very <laughs> good. And if you enjoyed all of that, make sure you tune in to The Matthew Wright Show with Kevin O'Sullivan every weekday from 1 on Talk Radio.